And welcome to the first episode of the Evolve, Reinvent and Prosper podcast with chairman of Bloor Research International, Brian Jones, and me, Elizabeth Hotson, journalist and podcaster. In this first episode, Necessity is the Mother of Reinvention, we'll be introducing the concept of reinvention, both for survival and in order to be competitive in the future. But first, I'm going to turn to you, Brian, because I think it'd be really useful for you to say a little bit more about Bloor and the concept behind it. Because being able to constantly adapt and needing to is really at the core of what you do, isn't it? It is absolutely at the core of what we do. Bloor Research has been scanning the horizons for technology innovation now for more than two decades. And Uh, What our analysts do is help the providers of technology to position their offerings in the marketplace. And in so doing, it creates a kind of a map, a landscape for people who are looking into the potential of technology investment in a whole variety of areas. And of course, as has always been the case, technology-based disruption affects the way people work. It affects the way business models are created and adapted. And increasingly over the last few years, Bloor has been turning its attention to this sort of nexus between these three things. Technology driving the disruption, the whole people aspects of business, organisational management, competitiveness, and of course, both the threats to business models and the opportunities for new business models. And we've seen many examples of those, particularly over recent years. So what we did was we put together something that we call the Mutable Business Framework as a kind of a map, a set of signposts to help any organisation of any size and scale just to look at what are the areas they need to be thinking about. Perhaps we can help them, for example, assess how adaptable they are on those various themes and then they can be much more conscious about you know how they improve their adaptability going forward in the last year there have been so many different examples of adapting businesses adapting the way we work adapting technology adapting Your career spans several decades, but this surely must be one of the the most quickly changing periods of time you've ever seen. Elizabeth, it has been extraordinary. The quotation that's been going through my head over probably the past 12 months has been the H.G. Wells one, which is, you know, adapt or perish. Now, as ever, is nature's inexorable imperative. Well, for nature, read all of us. The acceleration that the pandemic in particular has had on things that were happening by and large anyway, the way it's exposed stress lines in uh, businesses and organisations that were perhaps too fixed in their ways as well, has been quite amazing. Any organisation that's got large-scale fixed overheads, perhaps a rigid people model, has really struggled to, to adapt. And those businesses that 
are more agile, more adaptable, more mutable in our terminology, have clearly won out already, actually, in the competition. Now, I used to, as you say, I used to drive huge global change programs. I did that in places like Allied Demek, Burberry is probably the one that most people would recognise most quickly as it's a public brand. But those global change programmes, it seems to me, are no longer the answer. By the way, I'm not sure they ever really were because they often would be multi-year programmes. And of course, by the time you got to the end of them, you pretty much had to start on another one of the same big change programmes because the world had changed around you. Uh, What we need now, Elizabeth, is to make adaptability a core competence. Instead of looking at this as sort of one and done, big change programme, beginning, middle, end, we need to be saying, let's ensure that our organisation can always breathe in, breathe out, adapt. If you say a large retailer, and retailers have had a terrible time, haven't they, over the last 12 months, let's say you've got fixed rents, you've got fixed labour model, really hard to adapt. And yes, there's been support measures in our economy in the UK and different ones in other countries that have surely helped. But is it wise to persist with a business model where maybe you make all your profit in three months of the year and the rest of the year you're actually making a loss uh, simply because you've got to carry that capacity in terms of people and and other overheads throughout the whole year. I don't really think it is. I think that we saw this in the technology industry with internet capacity. It was quite quick that the telecommunications companies cottoned onto the fact that at certain times of year, internet usage would spike hugely. You know, New Year's Eve, people sending each other greetings and everything, for example. And they created infrastructure that could deal with that kind of burst in capacity. Well, I think we're increasingly seeing a world where business will have to do that, will have to be able to flex. And that has implications for the way we all work. It has implications for the way businesses go to market. And it has implications for anything that is an overhead. You know, we've got to get these overheads moving from fixed to a much more variable basis where we can increase our capacity when we need it and we can shrink it when we don't. And correspondingly, the costs of it shrink in line with the provisioning of capacity. Looking ahead, we're hoping to get guests on the podcast from all different types of industries and get their insights on basically how the world of business will adapt. But, and this I guess is the well, $50 million question, who would be your dream guest? Whose brains would you love to pick on this podcast? Oh my goodness. There are so, so many. Rather than give you specific names, I think I'd rather give you the kind of individuals. I'd like us to be talking with startup entrepreneurs with passion and energy. I'd like us to be talking to captains of industry who've successfully managed to reposition their businesses. I will mention a name. You think of something like Ocado. Most people think of Ocado as a food business, but I would see Ocado, and I think they see themselves as, a technology platform business. Equivalence would be Uber is often thought of as a taxi company, but they consider themselves to be a technology platform. 
Airbnb, the same. It, it's an accommodation business, but it's not. It's actually a technology platform that allows people with available accommodation and people seeking it to come together around a proposition. So I think what I'd like is to talk to people who have seen that and seen that their business is perhaps something different from what it may appear to be. I'd like the energy of startup entrepreneurs. And I think it would be good to talk to leaders from you know, traditional businesses that are facing the need to, to adapt radically and to hear from them you know, what their challenges have been, what their successes have been, what's worked and what hasn't. That would be really interesting. I agree. I think it'd be fascinating to have that mix of people because I guess getting different perspectives is really central to businesses going forward, isn't it? It's not just about one model, as you say, and, and with the concept of mutability. It's really bringing lots of different things in and seeing in the future what will work and how systems can be adapted. Entirely right. That's entirely right. And I think in a way, we've got to be mutable people. We've got to recognise that the world changes around us. I mean, there's a lot of social discussion, quite rightly, on when the lockdown ends, you know, what then? You know, do we, quote, go back to normal? What will normal be? What was normal ever? I don't want to get super philosophical here, but, but you know, wasn't it always changing? Now, what's happened is we suddenly went from a world where we behaved in a certain way and we were used to certain things being available and then they were withdrawn and we had to find different ways to connect and different ways to do things and we did it really quickly. Fortunately for us, we live in an era where technology was able to provide that for us and enable us to do that. But how much are we going to go back to the old way of doing things and how much are we going to stay with some of the things we've actually got quite used to? I don't know the answer. I suspect it's going to be different. I don't think it's going to be all of one or all of another. But we as individuals have had to adapt, haven't we? We've had to become mutable ourselves. And we've had to you know, manage our relationships, our services, our business uh, and personal lives in a very different way. And I think we'll probably find that a year on from having opened back up again, we'll be quite used to a sort of blended version of ourselves that we perhaps before the pandemic we probably didn't envisage you know do we go in in and out of a particular office and if we do do we do that every day some people have to but a lot of people don't and yet we know that creativity and innovation is often driven through people being together bouncing ideas off each other there's mentoring there's coaching there's learning development all of those things really are much more about face-to-face and physical face-to-face -face than is actually possible remotely. And yet there are other aspects of life that are eminently executable through a screen or a microphone. But I'm excited about where business is today. It feels like it's all been shaken up and we've got opportunities to redefine things. And that includes the way we measure business success. I'm particularly keen on the fact that we don't just measure business success by shareholder value or earnings per share. It should also be about societal benefit. It should be about you know, what is the impact of a particular organisation on the world at large. You know, how positive is it? How do we measure that? And I think we've got an opportunity now 
really because of all the changes that have been accelerated and compressed over recent months to come at things really afresh. Where Bloor comes in, to my mind, is giving people some tools to be able to do that, rather than just coming at it completely cold and, and facing a blank page. And that's what I want to see Bloor doing as we go forward. I think that's a lovely optimistic note to end the podcast on. So thanks very much, Brian. It's been great talking to you and I'm already looking forward to our next episode. Me too, Elizabeth. Thank you.